Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Independent-minded, 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 independent-minded. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm recording this on a Friday. You know how Fridays go here in the radio industry. Slightly more dangerous than Wednesdays. And welcome to episode 64. Can I get a few bars of that? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I'm 64. Thank you. Am I going to have to pay the Beatles for this? i shut it off before we owe them any royalties. And yes, it's episode 64 of the Independent Minded Podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and ElvisDuran.com. And you know the drill. You can follow the podcast on social media because if it's not on social media, then it doesn't exist. At Bald Freak Music. And the bald and the music parts are obvious. The freak part has always been a bit subjective, but I feel like nowadays freak is weighing heavily on the positive. Have you guys watched the new season of Stranger Things? In one of the earlier episodes, Jonathan has this conversation with Will about how he's a freak and how that being a freak is awesome because you're different than everybody else. You march to the beat of your own drum. That was my idea, guys. All right? It's fine. It's fine. I've already sent the Duffer Brothers an invoice. But yeah, that's how I felt when I lost my hair when I was like 19 years old. Like a freak. But who's the freak now, huh? Still me. And if you're an independent artist interested in being featured on the podcast, you can hit me up at ron at baldfreak.com. And if you are an independent artist, then I've probably already heard of you thanks to the dozen or so PR emails I get every day. And I listen to it all. Trust me. But I think that's the cool thing about this podcast is I'm one of you. So if you are an independent artist and we've had a lot of cool guests this year and I hope the trend continues into the new year, reach out and touch me and at the very least you'll get uh, a thorough listen. And if it's good, maybe a massage. And if you are an independent artist, get a job. Hey, Ronnie, want to plug your new album? What? Yeah, sure, I'll plug my new album. It's out now. It's called I Gotta Rock and it's available wherever you buy music. Where do you buy music? Email me, ron at baldfreak.com. Do you buy music? I want to shout out Bill Bodkin and the fine folks at The Pop Break. Cool little music and entertainment blog that featured the title track from the album and also did a cool interview with me. And I will admit that it is a little odd trying to obtain press for my own album while I am the press. And sometimes it's depressing. <laughs> All right. But here's something that'll cheer you up. My guest for episode 64. He's from Seattle, Washington. and His name is Noah Gunderson. He's got a new album out on Cooking Vinyl. It's called White Noise. And I've had a lot of Cooking Vinyl artists up at this point, And I gotta say, quite a repertoire. 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 It's just cool to see a trend of really cool artists with interesting stories all on the same little record label. And they're so nice. Nice little artists, boys and girls. And Noah Gunderson is no exception. His album White Noise is big noise. It takes his Ryan Adams, Josh Ritter-esque songwriting vibe and just adds a whole layer of awesomeness to it. Noah stopped by while on tour in support of the new album, and we talked. He talked to the freak. 
He and his sister Abby also do an acoustic performance of a song from the new album in studio that made me cry seven times. Stay tuned for that at the end of the podcast. And I always feel like I pull like one good quote, you know, something I should etch into a paperweight and sell at a gift store. For this interview, uh, I like, he says, I think having confidence is knowing that you don't have it figured out and never will. I like that. I might even make a meme out of it. And in addition to that sage wisdom, we talk about taking things for granted, what it's like for him to make music with his sister, Abby, who is an amazing violinist. We share our adoration of Rick and Morty and Sarah McLaughlin, and he talks about having no backup plan. I wonder what that's like. Let's kick it off with The Sound, the new single from White Noise, and then my conversation with Noah Gunderson right here on Independent Minded. I've said too much already! Ron Scalzo's amazing podcast. It's Ron Scalzo's amazing podcast. He's talking to people who make art and music. He's plugging their projects. He's making them famous. He's helping them out just by making them talk about all the cool shit that they do. Johnny Cash, middle finger 
night from one of my favorite places in America, Seattle, Washington. I'm here with Noah Gunderson, who's in the middle of a tour in support of his album, White Noise. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. You have an impressive discography, starting with Brand New World, which came out in 2008. So you've been doing this for a while. And rather than start from the beginning, because this album is being pitched by your PR people, I started my Noah Gunderson experience with White Noise. Cool. I'm glad. I'm glad, too, because it's a great album. It caters more to my personal tastes than your older stuff. Same. Same with me. Does it? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Sure. Well, that's interesting. That's, we'll why, talk I about mean, that's that. why I made it. The obvious difference that I noticed without really diving deeper into your earlier stuff, but checking some stuff out online and doing the homework, mm-hmm. is that this is an album with, it's a bigger album. Mm-hmm. It's slush orchestration, as opposed to your earlier stuff, which is fantastic and beautiful, but definitely has more of a singer-songwriter, indie folk sort of vibe. Yeah. So let's start with that. Why the transition musically speaking we can talk about everything else but i mean i'm probably like the singer songwriter thing wasn't really what i was excited about anymore and like i think i i I started writing songs when i was 13 i'm 28 now a lot has changed yeah (laughs) in my body and in my soul my soul's gotten smaller body's gotten bigger your soul's gotten smaller just shrinking like like a little like an apple like that's odd because for me i feel like it's been the opposite no i'm being i'm joking. okay um <laughs> maybe you weren't you know? <laughs> <laughs> well who knows I mean, exactly if the soul is a literal thing we don't even we don't know this we don't have the science for it yet but i i kind of reached a point where i was just i played this show sat down and was like i don't want to do this anymore uh which was kind of a terrifying feeling given that i'd spent so much of my life you know building this thing and my identity is wrapped up in it when you're making music for a living or making art for a living, your creative identity is wrapped up in your day-to-day identity. And so when you hit a point where you're like dissatisfied or unhappy with what you're making, it kind of, it's a blow to your psyche, I guess. Why were you dissatisfied? Was it a personal dissatisfaction yeah. with the type of music with that you were making? the kind of music I was making, yeah. I didn't feel like it resonated with what I liked anymore. It wasn't, I didn't enjoy getting up and playing it every night, okay. um, which I mean is inevitable with any, you play a song enough, you're going to be unhappy with it. At yeah, some just point. ask Radiohead about Creep and yeah, exactly. you'll get a response, I'm sure. <laughs> but in general, just like the aesthetic and the style, like I feel like it wasn't me anymore. But I wasn't quite sure what me really was. So I spent um, a summer just writing songs every day trying to figure it out it's all this kind of abstract ambiguous thing but it's like you know it it's like kind of like love or something it's like you know it when you have it and you can't describe what it is but Mm. but i did finally reach a point where i was like i think this is the thing for now and that could change in the next record but um, what was the point was it a song was it hearing like a finished product there was a couple songs just yeah it was like when i had been i wrote about 20 songs and then i felt like i started to write the songs that actually were what i wanted to make a record of that moment, you know, I read it in the PR before you got here and actually highlighted it because it seemed to be a pivotal moment where you say, it's on page 18 here. Uh, <laughs> the PR Bible. Oh, here we go. Thing. Instead of my life up to that point flashing before my eyes, it was my future, a future playing songs I didn't believe in, pouring my soul out into a vehicle I no longer recognized or loved. Was that your quote? That is some, my sometimes, quote. you know, I sometimes. Did, I did write you that did, myself. Oh, yeah. you wrote it? Yeah. Okay. I didn't write the whole PR thing. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not that self-congratulatory. Who has the time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, Noah Gunderson, a supreme talent. <laughs> this quote is interesting to me because as a songwriter and an artist myself, you're your own worst critic. I always feel that way. And it's followed up here where it says you spoke with a friend, a choreographer who 
who says no artist is pleased, there is only a queer divine dissatisfaction. And I understand that. I'm about to release a record and I have a conversation with artists about this all the time when they come in this room. It's like, when do you put it down? You know, put a stamp on it and move on to the next thing. You've self-produced a lot of your own material. You obviously know what's going on, so. Thankfully for this one, I had a producer. I think that was the saving grace. Otherwise, I probably would have driven myself crazy. You probably wouldn't be here. You'd still be making the record. still be making the record, (laughs) yeah. But I also am pretty impatient, which is why I think, I don't think the last record was fully realized because I didn't have someone to come alongside and like, you know, be my voice of reason. So with this one, you know, I got to dive really deep into it. We have this studio in Seattle called the Bait Shop that is this like loft by the marina. Nice. And we uh, just hunker down and I got to like nitpick over things and got to like go over things over and over again, but also have someone guiding me along saying, no, this is working and trust me, which was essential to the process of making this record. Do you overthink these things, though? An example being my record, just the mastering plan, you know, sent it back Mm -hmm. like a week and a half ago. It hasn't been released yet. Only maybe like five or six people have heard it besides me, including the people who performed on it. And, you know, I have that phobia. Like, I'm still listening to it all the time thinking, is this the right order of songs? Yeah, that's why you need people that... To tell you, you're, to tell you're you to stop. To stop. To hit yeah, your I mean, hand with a ruler. <laughs> for mastering for us, we did a shootout of a handful of different mastering engineers, and then uh, we ended up with Bob Ludwig, who is the man. The man. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that name more than once. Yeah. You said you started when you were 13 playing the piano. Yeah. You started a band called Noah Gunderson and the Courage uh-huh. when you were about 20. Uh, something like that. Did yeah. you have any idea what you were doing? I mean, I, I watched a little video. No, and... I still don't have any idea. What I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> Musicians, artists exude confidence. And I just met you 25 minutes ago. Yeah. I just saw you perform a couple of songs. I've watched the videos. I'm listening to the record. How could I not think that you're somebody who does know what's up, that you've got it all figured out yet? You're telling me the exact opposite. I mean, I think having confidence is knowing that you don't have it figured out and that you never will. I think it's the insecurity comes when you feel like it's attainable to have it figured out. I think being able to just let go of a lot of things is what allows you to be free to actually take chances and occasionally fail. And no one really knows what they're doing. We're all just figuring out as we go along. That's true. It's taking me about 15 years longer than than you to not figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's been interesting because people would say that, you know, based on industry standards, a guy like me is over the hill. I've never had like a full-time musician, if you want to call it a job or career, you know, I've worked in radio, but I think now more than ever, I feel like I do have it figured out. Not that I have it figured out. I have less not figured out now (laughs) than I did even when I was your age, man. I feel like And maybe that's just an individual experience that everybody has based on their timeline and and their journey. You started out playing in Centralia? Centralia. Halfway between Seattle and Portland. Just a crummy little town that I hope to never go back to. Are your parents still there? They don't. They live in Bellingham now, which is up north of Seattle. Not as crummy? No, not as crummy at all. It's very beautiful, actually. (laughs) All right. Yeah. You're the oldest of eight children. Is that correct? I'm the oldest of five. Well, yeah. Secondly, the oldest of eight. I have four blood siblings and three adopted siblings. Yeah. Is that all in one house at some point? At one point for about a year, they were all in one house and then I was out of there. 
was that part of the reason you wanted to leave? <laughs> Probably. All right. So Abby is your sister. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Did, I, did you I mean, just, I was like, just a kid. Like, I was a kid learning how to write songs and play guitar at the same time. And I actually remember the moment I was, I would like practice in my dad's office while he was uh, off at work. And um, what did your dad do? He's a tile marble contractor. Of course he is. So I worked for, I worked construction for him for like five, six years. Oh, wow. But I was playing guitar, and, and, and he came in and he's like, you know, your sister's learning to play violin. You guys should play together. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then here we are. We've been making music together for 10 years. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And she tours with you and she's yeah. been on your records. Yeah. How does that, I mean, you seem to have a, a really cool rapport with her just from the yeah. few minutes that I've seen you together. I mean, we've just spent a lot of time together. I mean, we've had moments where we've had blow-ups and butted heads, but... She's she's an amazing human being. Do you tell her what to play, or does she? It's collaborative. I mean, I direct some things, but a lot of times she, you know, I just trust her intuition. And she makes her own music on the side under her own name, Abby Gunderson. Uh, oh, cool! Really beautiful kind of instrumental ambient string music. It says in the in the PR here that your parents kind of encouraged you to make music from a young age. They did. Well, I think I mean our upbringing dictates everything in some way or another. Like whether it be that we go in that direction or we go the opposite direction. It's, you know, for better or for worse, and thank God for therapy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a journey. The song The Sound, which we heard at the beginning of the podcast, there's a line in that song, how many times will you shit on what you're given? How many times till you shut up and listen? It seems like the line of somebody who thinks that there's more to life than you and I sitting here right now. And that people take things for granted and that life is a gift. That's what I got out of it, at least. Cool. And I love that song. And I don't, yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. You put them in my mouth. Yeah. But uh, explain that. Explain that line and explain what the song in general is about. It, it seems to me to be a bit of a, a spiritual song. I personally don't really like to explain what songs are about. Oh, okay. Um, well, but this I, interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I mean, I will say... I mean, I think you kind of hit it like it's that line in particular is, you know, let's not take things for granted. And it's yeah. really easy to speaking personally, like as a musician, and I've been really fortunate to have so much of this thing is luck, you know, being sure. in the right place at the right time. And there's some talent involved and a lot of hard work and a lot of luck. And it's easy to take things for granted. And so uh, it's kind of that line's maybe a reminder to not take things for granted. Well, the cool thing about lyrics, I feel like, is that they're completely subjective, meaning yeah, from be. my perspective, as somebody who's made mistakes in the past, yeah. personal, professional, whatever, a line like that means you have opportunities that maybe the universe or God or whatever present to you. Sure. And then what are you going to do with that? Exactly. Are you yeah. going to... See, this is why I don't like to explain songs, because you can take your own meaning out of what it is and apply it to your own situation. Well, you know, it's interesting to me, mainly because as a lyricist, I am not as ambiguous, I guess. Mm -hmm. Your singer-songwriter style is indicative of artists like Ryan Adams and Josh Ritter. Yeah. 
And you would argue that those artists are storytellers. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've been compared to maybe both of those people. I mean, they've both been an influence on my work. Did you know from early on? I mean, obviously, if you're leaving your house, mm-hmm. your house, your parents' house at 18. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, did you have any idea what you were doing? And you said, nobody does. But yeah. all I've ever wanted to do is make music since I was a kid. I never had a backup plan. Someone told me early on that like everyone who has a backup plan does their backup plan. <laughs> well, so. you're staring at a guy who's, who, this was always my backup plan. I was yeah. telling your manager on the way in that there's only two things I ever wanted to do, mm-hmm. which were be a musician or work in radio. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough to dabble in the music while I've made a career in radio. Mm-hmm. But I also think maybe having these disparate interests has kind of maybe not made me climb the ladder in either career as much as I could have if I just had the one. Yeah. So damn you, double interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think not having anything to fall back on definitely is a is a motivator. My parents were very middle class. My dad was a cop. My mom was a teacher. So they were preaching from very early on. Go to college. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have money in the bank. Buy property. Have health insurance. What did your parents tell you when you were 18 and you said, I'm leaving, mom. I'm leaving, dad. I mean, they've like follow your dreams, <laughs> which All is right, pretty, nice. pretty cool. I mean, they've been incredibly supportive i don't know if i would be where i'm at without them and you know my sister plays in my band my brother plays drums in my band my other sister is this really incredible songwriter you know they've never really pushed us in any particular direction they've i think just wanted us to be happy have mom and dad ever wondered how they sprouted out all these musicians like, <laughs> did they have any sort of musical backgrounds my dad plays piano and like used to be in bands and sometimes people come up to them at shows and and i think they feel a little uncomfortable because they're just like these are just our kids we don't really know what happened <laughs> <laughs> do they come see you often yeah whenever we're in town there yeah excellent that's amazing yeah my parents live in pennsylvania i have to drag them out of their house to come see me yeah. but i think they're coming to the show i'm playing in november nice. so I, i'll tell them i'll make them feel guilty by telling them your story listen yeah. to this podcast i did with <laughs> noah gunderson if i'm doing the math right here you grew up in the pacific northwest during a very critical time in music history Outside of your parents' influence, what were your popular influences at the time? Did you see I didn't, a band or see a show and like that was huge for you? Or My earliest memories of music were like mostly Christian music, but also like Bob Dylan's Slow Train Coming and Oh Mercy, his like pseudo-Christian records that he made there, gospel records. And then Joshua Tree by U2. My favorite album of all yeah, time. One of the greatest Sarah McLaughlin's live album for some reason we had. Um, I like Sarah McLaughlin. I do like Sarah McLaughlin. The girl I'm dating makes fun of me for having so much Sarah McLaughlin oh, in my iTunes. You need to convince her that she's she's great. Her, you should listen to the live album. The live album's great. <laughs> I think she's playfully making fun of me. But yeah, yeah I, I love Sarah McLaughlin. Um, there's a really funny meme of like Sarah McLaughlin with all the dogs from those, those commercials those, that she those does. The animal commercials. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, uh, the meme just says like, here's Sarah McLaughlin to ruin your day again or something. <laughs> But that was some music that was around the house. Um, I was born in 89, so I was too young for the... You were a grunge toddler. Yeah, yeah, I missed out on that. I was into like the hardcore scene uh, as a teenager, so I would drive up with friends to Seattle you know, and watch, go to shows up there. Uh, At 18, you probably were out of the house before your parents had a chance for you to like blast Pantera's vulgar display of power in your bedroom, <laughs> unlike me. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Any dream collaborators now? Artists that you'd love to tour with or... I really love Danny Glover. Um, the guy from Lethal Weapon? No, that's Donald Glover. Uh, no, Danny Glover's the oh, guy from Lethal oh, Weapon. Oh, Yeah, Donald. <laughs> whoever the heck. Getting too old for this shit. Yeah. Uh, Riggs! Yeah, no. Um, Donald, is Donald Danny Glover's son or are they, are they related? I don't think they're related, but Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino, yeah. I just yeah. think that guy, like everything he touches turns to gold. I mean, like the show Atlanta... Um, all his writing on community and he wrote for, I think he wrote for 30 Rock or SNL and then his music is incredible. I just, he's a younger dude. He's like just a little bit older than me, but has his hands in a lot of things and just is a creative powerhouse. And I'm always inspired by people that can dabble in a lot of different things. Right on. The producers of the show Sons of Anarchy, which we have big fans of that show here on Elvis Duran in the morning show, handpicked your song family to be on the show. Yeah. I could see how that could be a good fit based on the style and the themes of the show. Yeah. Were you a fan of the show or it was just, hey, this is a great opportunity and good fit. Let's just do this. I've only had to write for a show once and that was for Sons. I, for like the end of one of the seasons, I co-wrote a song with the creator and the music supervisor. I think they asked me to write it because it was going to be easy for me to write the vibe that they wanted. Sure. Um, and they sent me a few lyrics and I wrote a melody and some more lyrics and then Got nominated for an Emmy, uh, which was kind of cool. I saw. And I threw it away. <laughs> who did, who did you lose to? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because I've told, I got the thing in the mail and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then like put it in the recycling. And then like later someone's like, you didn't, should have kept that. And I, was, I was like, I don't know. Like, well, what what am do? I going to do with it? it? Like, yeah, yeah like give it, to, I should have given it to my mom. That's what I should have done. All right. <laughs> Can you get another copy? Yeah. Can we call so, the Emmys? I'll see. We talked before uh, the interview about Rick and Morty, which um, yeah. we're both big fans of. Best. Is there a TV series you love that you dream of writing original music for? You know, I loved the first season of True Detective, and I heard the second season wasn't very good, um, but I would have loved to have written for something like that. I think it would have been incredible to have been involved in the new season of Twin Peaks somehow. I love David Lynch. Um, nice. I mean, it would be hilarious to do something for Rick and Morty. I have no idea like <laughs> where I would fit in with that. But. I mean, it's such a phenomenon at this point. The Szechuan sauce controversy. Yeah, yeah. And then they had that song at the end of one of the episodes this past season, which became kind of like a viral success. I don't know if your style and, and Rick no, and Morty necessarily. I don't think they really blend. Do you think you could write for Rick and Morty? Could you, like, could you I completely could, change your style? I could get weird. We could get, get weird. weird. Yeah. All right, man. Maybe we can collaborate shifty. on that. <laughs> All right. You're on a tour. This is the biggest tour you've been on? Uh, it's not the longest I've been on, but um, we're finally in a tour bus, which feels very nice and grown up. Um, it's great to be out of a van. And we're playing cool rooms. Like We're playing Music Hall of Williamsburg here in New York. We're playing 930 Club in D.C. And it's fun to play this music. This record is the most fun to, to play of anything I've ever put out. Why? Because of just the, big. It's a big sound. That was gonna. Yeah, that yeah. was. I don't know why I asked why. I already knew the answer to the <laughs> question. White noise is on cooking vinyl. You've self-produced and I would assume self-released a decent amount of your material. The last two records came out on dual tone records, but I yeah I self-produced the last two and then I put out a couple of EPs on my own. Was there a transition for you where you decided that you needed to cede control of certain things to other people so you could focus on the art, or did it have anything to do with that at all? It didn't have so much to do with that as just having infrastructure. I mean, I, so I guess yes, in a sense. I didn't cede much control, though. Like, I made sure that it was a deal where I was still going to be able to do whatever I wanted. Right on. You know, so, I mean, the creative decisions are mine. Um, they've been 
pretty supportive of that. So it's just having the infrastructure and ultimately just like money. The cover of White Noise is a plant surrounded by a snake. Uh-huh. Tell me about this. Or do, do you not talk about the <laughs> no, meaning of your album covers either? <laughs> well, the, I wanted to show a juxtaposition between something very sterile and manufactured and kind of cold with something organic that had movement and kind of this like industry versus nature or however you want to frame it. I just liked the juxtaposition of those things. Which one is the industry? The snake? Let no, me guess. no, yeah, yeah. No, uh, the, the snake was very cool. The snake was, uh, I think it was a python, and the, we rented it from this place, and the snake's name was Monty because it was a python. Monty the snake was rented for the purpose of making the White Noise album cover? Mm, yes, the, yes it was. <laughs> I wish I was a fly in the wall for that conversation. Where can we rent a snake? I know, there's a place, there are places. <laughs> I love the last song on the record in particular, uh, made me cry about three times the other night. Awesome. Send the rain, uh, it sent the rain f- uh, pouring down <laughs> my face. What's next? This tour ends in Seattle November 17th, and then I've got a little bit of time off. I'm working on some other projects, and we start touring again in January, and then more touring for the next like year or so. So I'll be out on the So you're not busy at all? No, I've, yeah, I've got tons of downtime, just chilling out. Do you even think about, you know, this record just came out. Do you even think about the next record? Oh, yeah. I already yeah. started writing it. You already started? <laughs> yeah. But you're not going to tell me what it's about? No way. Good luck uh, in Williamsburg. Look out for the hipsters. And uh, <laughs> see you on the flip side, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks man. Noah. If you start to wonder If you spell them out Honey, you should run the other way Hold on I'm coming home You're giving me a bad desire You're giving me a bad
Ah, man, that's beautiful. That's an exclusive in-studio acoustic performance of Bad Desire by Noah Gunderson featuring his sister Abby on violin and backing vocals. Earlier in the podcast, we heard the sound, both songs off the new album White Noise on Cooking Vinyl. Pick it up, find out more about Noah at noahgundersonmusic.com. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Noah Gunderson. I want to thank Noah and Abby for stopping in, Maria from Raby for making the connection, and the whitest man in radio who makes the whitest noise, Elvis Duran. I'm a white trash gay guy. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.